This episode of Nerd Cave Retro is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. Greetings, programs, and welcome back to the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast. My name is Jason Robbins. And I'm Derek Diamond. And I apologize for last week. That was my fault that we didn't uh, have a show last week because, um, and actually, before we get started, I want to go ahead and tell everybody that we might not have a show next week as well. Uh, Derek and I are both part of a project that uh, has been taking up a little bit of our time, and um Next week will be the fruition of that project, and um, last week I did not get home in time because I was in I was actually in Florida on driving on uh, my way home while we were supposed to be recording the show. And uh, next weekend, it's very possible that the same thing could happen. So just letting everybody know right now that we may not have a show next week as well. But for this week, we're here. No, absolutely. No, we're we're going to be on set for Survey, a short film which recently got fully funded. Mm-hmm. Thank you to uh, everyone who donated for the Indiegogo. Um, we'll be shooting Saturday and Sunday. Unfortunately, I can only be there for one day because of work, but going to make the most of it. Uh, Jason will actually be on camera, and I will be running sound. So um, if the sound quality is great... <laughs> I'll take all the credit for it. If it sucks, then I'll take all the blame. But I'm sure Jason will do a great job. Uh, it's going to be fun, man. I, and I'm so happy that it got funded. It actually got overfunded by a, a little bit, which is good. Um, and I think it's really going to be a good project. So we'll keep everybody posted on um, where they can watch it when it finally does come out. So, uh, yeah, thank you to everybody that contributed to the the Survey Kickstarter, or not Kickstarter, uh, Indiegogo. Worst case scenario, if we can't do an episode, we should do like some type of quick video for the Facebook page, like during our break or something on Sunday. That'd be fun. We could do that. Yeah, we could have yeah. at least something come out for the show next week. Because you'll be in full, you know, character makeup and everything. So uh, yeah, <laughs> that that'd be pretty cool. And I'll just be wearing like a really dopey looking hat to keep it out of my keep the sunlight out of my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> so, but no, it, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, I I haven't been on any type of a set, whether it be for a movie or commercial, in close to three years. So, it, it's it's exciting. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think the story is great. I think, you know, everybody's really excited to do it, to be a part of it and everything. So I think it's going to be good. I can't wait for everybody to see it. Yeah, this is going to be fun. But speaking of uh, movies, well, not really movies. Uh, everybody watches a movie on Netflix. And guess what? That leads us into our first story of the night. <laughs> Now, 
Netflix released its first teaser for the upcoming animated series based on Konami's Castlevania franchise. And this comes to us from Polygon.com. The teaser takes a little while to get going as it kicks off with a bit of nostalgia. A custom Castlevania cartridge is inserted into a Nintendo Entertainment System, firing up some old-school Netflix streaming software. When the animation starts, we get a look at what appears to be one of the Belmonts whipping his way through Dracula's castle and possibly encountering Alucard along the way. The official description of the series on Netflix says Castlevania will focus on the last surviving member of a disgraced clan who fights to save Eastern Europe from Dracula. I am so excited about this coming out. I cannot wait for this. The trailer looked great. Like the article said, you know, it took a little bit to really get going because of the the NES, like showing the cartridge being put in. And I actually really like the NES menu where you see like House of Cards, Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll pick Castlevania. And then the trailer starts. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, we, I we really that. don't have that long to wait either. Yeah, I know. It doesn't come out like later. When does this come out? Uh, July 7th. July 7th. That's crazy. So they were working on this thing way before they announced it. So, yeah, we have just over a month to wait. So I, I'm really excited for it. And I know it comes out, I think, during a period where I won't have work. So I'll actually be able to, yeah, I'll be able to bench this thing. And it's only four episodes as well. So it's kind yeah. of more or less like a two-hour movie when it's once it's all together. But um, I've been looking forward to this for a while. Um, and actually, speaking of Castlevania, I just picked up Castlevania yesterday at uh, flea market if you were watching the um the nerd cave retro instagram page and tweet uh twitter i posted a picture of all the stuff i picked up at the flea market yesterday i got um castlevania batman kid nicky radical ninja and i also picked up the et soundtrack on vinyl and it's never been opened it's still shrink wrapped that's nuts that's awesome though like that's a, an amazing find, and it cost me two dollars. Two dollars? Yep. <laughs> Holy crap! Mm-hmm. Clearly, they didn't know what they had. No. <laughs> <laughs> Which and, is a and, good thing for you. As a matter of fact, the uh, the Nintendo games as well. I mean, they're in perfect condition. They're cleaned, and they uh, look good. They play good. Um, and the thing is, is I was went there specifically to look for. Uh, you know, retro games. That's what I went for. Um, and I passed up a couple of tables. And, th- and this is the crazy thing. I went by this one table of a guy who's there all the time. And mm-hmm. his table was set up. And he, of course, he has his uh, Nintendo games, his Super Nintendo, uh, Nintendo 64 stuff. And it's all overpriced. And the labels are torn. I mean... They had he had a uh, Castlevania two, uh, was it Simon's Quest, for like fifteen dollars, and the label was ripped off of it. I'm like, no, thank uh... you. <laughs> and he had a Legend of Zelda that he was asking like twenty five bucks for, and the cartridge was like all the gold was flaking off of it, and it was like this huge chunk taken out of the bottom of it. I was like, no, no, no not a chance. You. And I. Almost got Ocarina of Time for Nintendo 64, which is another thing. Today is actually my birthday, and I got a Nintendo 64 by, from my brother on my birthday. That's awesome. And I almost picked up Ocarina of Time 
for $20. And I was like, you know, I'm going to think about this for a few minutes and go kind of walk around a bit, see if there's anything I can find. Literally two tables down, there was a family there. And the uh, the guy had set the, the, I guess the father or something had set up their table. It was very neat. It was very organized. All of his the Nintendo games were, and it was a little sign there that said, everything on the table is $10. Everything on the shelf is $5. And on the table, of course, he had Castlevania, a couple of Ninja Gaidens, the Batman, uh, a few other games and that were in really good condition. And then he had just this whole shelf full of common games that he wanted five dollars a piece for and i was like you know what if i would have bought that ocarina of time which was kind of beat up Mm -hmm. i would have been so mad (laughs) if i'd have bought that and then walked to the very next table to see all that good stuff for cheap that's nuts but no it, it all worked out though Absolutely. This has been an awesome weekend for me as far as retro gaming stuff goes. I got the Nintendo 64, and I also got Resident Evil 2 that came with it. I saw that, yeah. That's awesome. So fantastic. But let's uh, let's move on to our next story. Yeah, this was uh, something you actually sent me right before we started recording. I love speedruns. I love watching them on YouTube. But this is one that's... It sets, I don't want to say it sets a new standard, but it's one of the more unbelievable ones that I've seen. This comes to us from Kotaku.com. Blindfolded speedrunner beats Super Mario World in under 14 minutes. Clearing Super Mario World in just over 13 and a half minutes is a stellar achievement no matter what, but one speedrunner took it to the next level by achieving that time while wearing a blindfold. Katoon24 is a speedrunner known for titles like Mario World and Diddy's Conquest. While he normally plays through these games with all of his senses, he occasionally takes up a blindfold for some extra challenge. This usually leads to very long runs. His blindfolded run through Donkey Kong Country 2 took over 16 hours to complete. Thankfully, his blindfolded run through Super Mario World was much quicker. The run followed the 11 exit route, a category that tries to beat the game as fast as possible. Uh, see, run is otherwise, let's see, it doesn't always go perfectly in one underwater level. He loses his bearings and doesn't swim high enough to avoid sinking to his death, but the run is otherwise mesmerizing. He accomplishes in a handful of minutes what would take most players multiple gameplay sessions. And it's crazy because they actually have the, uh, the, there's a Twitch video on this actual article that you can watch him do the speed run blindfolded. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, there's no other real way to put it. You know, thinking about it, if if I had all my senses about me, I could probably beat Mario World or at least beat the final boss in 15 minutes. Because if you know the route to get to Bowser, there's a really short way and it doesn't take that much time at all. But doing it blindfolded, any game blindfolded to (laughs) me is unbelievable. I don't think I could play any game uh, blindfolded. I don't know any game that well. To be no. able to do it blindfolded. There's no way. But I mean, just with video games, like your sight is the most important sense that you would have. Mm-hmm. You, know, you got to be able to see where you're going. And just, I don't know how the guy did it. I don't know if he's memorized like the the sounds and all the levels and everything. I have no idea. Or he's memorized the maps. The only thing I can think is it's just pure muscle memory. Like, yeah. He just knows exactly when to jump, where to jump. He knows the levels 
inside and out. That's the only way you're going to be able to do this blindfolded. Yeah, no, it's it's unbelievable. I, I want to watch more of this guy's uh, speed runs because if you can do a game blindfolded, that's just insane to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it, just there's like one little clip here that they have that's uh, just loops, and then they mm-hmm. have the actual Twitch uh, video you can watch. But man, I'm sitting here watching the looped one, and it's just he's making all these crazy jumps, and the dude's just sitting there blindfolded. Yeah, the guy's not moving at all. I'm, yeah. I'm watching the same thing. And I, I'm at first when you're looking at this, you're, I'm thinking like, there's got to be somebody like off screen doing this for him. Yeah, but no, that that's crazy. But uh, but yeah, let's go ahead and move on to this month and video game history. Uh, let me get to my page here. Sorry, I'm I was still mesmerized by that video. <laughs> it's tough not to be. In uh, 1982, in May, Atari releases Yars Revenge, and if uh, it was probably one of the most popular Atari game. It was released for the Atari 2600, and it was created by Howard Scott Warshaw. Yars Revenge was Atari's best-selling original title. I'm looking at the I've never heard of this game, first of all, but I'm looking at the cover art looks like a Godzilla villain. Yeah, the it it really does. This was one of those games that the the cover art actually mesmerized me as a kid because Atari always had great box art. But Yars Revenge is probably to me, at least, is the most iconic Atari um, video game art. Well, it's just got everything that would attract a kid. It's bright, colorful. It has a giant insect on it that's shooting laser beams out of its mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just looking at it, you know, I, I would be attracted to this if I were a kid. But um, this was actually one of the uh, earliest known games with, where they found an actual Easter egg in the game. Uh, it's after killing the swirl in mid-flight, a black vertical line will appear on the screen across the spot where the swirl was shot. The line is referred to in the manual as the Ghost of the Yars and warns the players to stay off its mean streak. If the Yar is in the lower third of the screen and the black spot on its back across the vertical line at the moment the explosion vanishes, the game will end and go to the end game select screen with programmer's initials HSW shown both forwards and backwards as HSWWSH in place of the player's score. This forwards-backwards lettering is a clue to players to look at the names in the game manual the same way. Interesting. That's, And you've got to think, you know, especially with today, with video games and even movies, how many Easter eggs that you see. So even seeing, you know, that they did those back then is well, kind of a cool thing. Well, yeah, it's like I was actually on uh, the current Geek podcast uh, about a month or so ago, and we had a, a, an entire discussion about this um, because they had just found another Easter egg for an even earlier game, uh, a stand-up arcade game that was out in the 70s. Uh, and it had to do with you had to to hit the joystick in a certain way and hit the buttons in a certain combination. And I'm like, you know what? I don't think this is going. I think this is just the beginning, especially now that we're um, trying to preserve these games. These all these ROMs are getting preserved. We're going to be finding all these crazy lines of code and all these old games where you're going to be able to find these Easter eggs that people haven't even found yet that even the programmers probably have even forgotten that they even put in these games. 
That's a very real possibility. But next up, May 24th, 1996, SNK released Metal Slug, the first in the Metal Slug series that has proved extremely popular in the arcades. I'm looking at the Neo Geo CD cover. It looks familiar, but I don't really know anything about the game series, but I have heard of it. Oh, you mean Metal Slug? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this actually, we had this game. I used I used to work for a restaurant a couple of years back, and um, about a decade or so ago, and they had this actual video game still in the arcade that was attached to the restaurant, and I used to play this game all the time metal slug was it's one of those just uh run and gun you know video game side scrolling shoot 'em ups that's just it just doesn't stop it's just explosions all over the screen and just it's just craziness like if you've ever played um bro force bro force is a direct like nod to this game yeah i'm looking at the the screen cap that's on the wikipedia page and yeah, I've seen a little bit of Broforce, and it does remind me of that. But oh, this yeah. game is actually available on a lot of systems. It's even on the Switch eShop. Really? Where I'm looking at it's one of the, I guess one of the few games that's actually available on it. I mean, the, the eShop they did finally put it on there, but as far as older games go, they still haven't really put that much on there. Hmm. But no, it's available on. Let's see. Nintendo Switch, Microsoft Windows, Neo Geo X, iOS, Android, PlayStation Network, the Wii Virtual Console. So it's available on a lot of platforms still. Yeah, the Metal Slug series was very popular and definitely a classic. Interesting. But uh, and also on May 24th, 1996, Treasure Hunter G came out for the uh, Super Famicom in Japan. It was made by Squaresoft, and it was an obscure Japan-only late-in-life Super Famicom RPG. Um, and it's kind of interesting to go back and look at all this stuff that never quite made it to America. Um, because, we, you know, there's only certain JRPGs that actually made it to America to and actually found some semblance of success. Like, you look at, like, Final Fantasy and stuff like that. Um but I would be interested to in actually playing some of these hardcore JRPGs that never quite made it here. What's interesting is this was Square's final game for a Nintendo console. It was released two weeks before they announced their departure from Nintendo. And then they released uh, Chocobo Land, a game of dice for the Game Boy Advance in 2002. And this was a Japan-only game. Because I, I remember seeing, you know, Square RPGs for Super Nintendo all the time. And now they don't really make anything for Nintendo. So it, it's kind of interesting going, you know, back to that time to see when Square was actually in a good relationship with Nintendo, it yeah. seems. But yeah, uh, let's see. In May 31st, 1996... Final Doom was released, the final part of the original Doom series. Now we we've talked about Doom uh, fairly, uh, I won't say fairly frequently, but we've talked about it a few times on this podcast. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I've I've said it before. I've never played a Doom game, but I acknowledge its success. Yeah, I was a huge Doom lover back in like ninety. What year was I? I was in eleventh grade, ninety four, when I was introduced to Doom. 
uh, on the uh, the MS DOS before even Windows came out. Um, <laughs> that's how old I am. Today's my birthday, and I'll let you people know I'm forty. Lordy, 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 I'm forty. <laughs> <laughs> I actually was a big fan of the Doom game that came out for the Xbox. Was it the original Xbox that it came out for? Yeah, I think it was just called Doom. If I'm not mistaken, let me look it up real quick. Doom Xbox. Oh, it was Doom 3. That's right. Yeah, it was Doom 3. I actually liked that game. A lot of people didn't like it. It was really long. I remember that. Yeah, there's even a Doom game that came out last year for the Xbox One. Was there? Mm -hmm. I didn't know they were still making Doom games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've uh, we've played it a little bit during some of our um, you know our live streams that we do at the Nerd Cave. I haven't actually played the game, but I've watched both Zach and Robbie play it. It's, it's a good looking game. Yeah, looks well, very know, violent, which is very fitting. I know that they did the uh, the Doom remaster. Was it last year they did that, or was that this year? Um, let me check. Doom Xbox One. Let's see. Uh, it doesn't say it's a remaster. It's a reboot of the franchise. Oh, that's right. And it's the fourth title in the main series and the first major major installment since Doom 3 in 2004. Hmm. Yeah, so it's just a reboot. Ah, uh, okay. Or they might be working on a... Uh, um a remaster of the original doom i don't know i'm i'm i i get my uh news articles mixed up sometimes so you have to forgive me i'm getting old <laughs> no it's all good now that, but, that's uh, kind of the new thing though is doing remasters of old games because we've got you know next month we have the crash bandicoot mm -hmm. trilogy that's coming out for ps4 and that's a remaster of the original playstation games and you t I tell you what, they really need to do that remaster of Resident Evil 2. Uh, because, to be honest, I I've forgotten how hard that game is to play. The controls are atrocious. I mean, back in the day, you know, it was... It, when you're used to those kind of controls, it, it was okay. But nowadays, mm -hmm. when you actually are used to having dual analog sticks instead of just one... Dude, I almost thought I couldn't start the game. I was almost I had to restart the game like seven or eight times before I could even get off the first screen. Wow. Because I didn't know how to use the controls anymore. <laughs> uh that's crazy. And I haven't I still haven't really played a Resident Evil game, but I know you've you've praised especially Resident Evil 2. Mm, you have to. Yeah, at least if you're gonna play a game, go play Resident Evil 4. I think that's probably the most accessible and easy to play game. Yeah. But uh, on May 31st of 1996, HAL Labs Nintendo releases Kirby's Block Ball, a breakout inspired game and popular Kirby franchise. Uh, I This was out of my wheelhouse. It was a 1995 action video game, a spinoff from the Kirby series for the Game Boy Portable console. It was a breakout clone, player control controls paddles along the screen's edge to knock a bouncing ball Kirby into destructible bricks. The game's 55 levels include power-ups, bonus rounds, and mini-games. Mm, I mean, I liked Breakout, so I probably would have gotten into this game and was a, would have been able to look past the, the cutesy uh, <laughs> that was Kirby at the time. 
but um but yeah I, i've never played this so i was wondering if you had i vaguely remember this i want to say i did play it at some point but i never really got into it like the other kirby games like it, it's definitely one of those that i could see you know it's not surprising it having a spin-off type game where it's not really it's traditional type like with sonic they did sonic spinball mm-hmm. where it was basically pinball with a sonic theme so them doing this was not surprising. I did play it, you know, a little bit, but not too extensively, no. Yeah, this seems like it would have been kind of one of those really fun, like, time waster type of games. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like Tetris or, or you know, something of that along those lines. I bet whenever I played this, it was probably a display game at, like, a Walmart or a Kmart. Yeah, this and seems like And I just like happened that. to sit there and play for, like, <laughs> five minutes this is exactly that game this is the game that would have been in you know the 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 game boy that was like locked to the counter (laughs) and you could play like maybe one round before the game would start over again yeah or your parents find you're like oh it's time to go yeah time to go yeah but no i yeah it's it was an okay game Hmm, that's good but that brings us to the end of this month in video game history. And um, we got got a little, little ad read here for you because you know what? We like books. Do you like books, Derek? We do like books. We like to read here at the Nerd Cave. So for you, the listeners of the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. And as we mentioned earlier, they have over 180,000 titles to choose from. That's more books than anybody could read or listen to in an entire (laughs) lifetime. So one thing Audible has is they have options. They have mystery books. They have romance, science fiction, nonfiction, autobiographies. If you're a gamer, which I assume you are if you're listening to this podcast, they have books from the Halo series, Gears of War, Mass Effect, anything audible has everything and if you're always on the go like i am then audible is a fantastic service for you to still be able to quote unquote read if you still have a busy lifestyle uh jason are you reading anything currently actually yes the wizard and glass series uh the dark uh, book four of stephen king's the dark tower series nice i see they have the dark tower series as well we have the movie coming out pretty soon so If you want to learn more about that universe, you can check that out. And to do that, go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave for your free audiobook. And you know what, Derek? In the almost 40 episodes that we've done of this show, we've talked about Mario lots of times, especially on the Nintendo, the Super Nintendo. But you know what we haven't talked about yet? I was hoping you would pick this song. <laughs> That's the uh, the theme to Super Mario 64, which Derek's going to be talking about this evening. So I have the task of doing justice 
in my opinion, one of the most influential and standard-bearing video games of all time. Super Mario 64 is a 1996 platform video game developed and published by Nintendo for the Nintendo 64. It is the first Super Mario game to utilize 3D graphics, and along with Pilot Wing 64, one of the launch titles for the console. It was released in Japan on June 23, 1996, and later in North America, Europe, and Australia. It is the best-selling game on the Nintendo 64, with more than 11 million copies sold. I mean, where do you start <laughs> with this game? I mean, well, first off, let's just talk about how absolutely influential this game was. As far as, I mean, not only was the Nintendo 64 influential as far as um, the analogs, introducing the analog stick, mm-hmm. but to use that in the way that they did with Super Mario 64, it was so fluid and intuitive at the time it was amazing it's to me the standard bearer for not just the 3d mario games but 3d platforming games Mm -hmm. every platformer that you play after that whether it be banjo kazooie whether it be um you know even the more advanced 3d mario games like the galaxy series for the wii and I'm sure Odyssey will get the same thing whenever it comes out for the Switch. It all got its influence from Mario 64. Now, Nintendo had the huge task of taking their their golden goose and transforming it from 2D to 3D. And to me, they did a damn near flawless job of doing that. I was actually playing the game a little bit earlier today to get prepped for the review because I haven't played the game in a long time and it holds up. Oh yeah. Like without question, it absolutely holds up. And to me, it took, it took everything that made the Mario series great. That still makes it great. Mm -hmm. And it just added to it. You know, you add the 3d, but it's still like an old school Mario game. Like Mm -hmm. you have the variety of the levels you have, you know, one world that takes place it just this grassy battlefield with feuding bomb factions. You have a, a level that's pretty much entirely underwater. You have a volcano. You have a snowy mountain. You ha- you're even inside of a clock tower at one point. So there's huge variety in this game. And I, I think that's, you know, if you compare it to like the Galaxy series, I think that's one reason why Mario 64 is a little bit better. Because with Galaxy, everything takes place in space. Mm-hmm. With Mario 64, you have a variety that does not wane throughout the entire game. And the it has, you know, a, a lot of new power-ups. It has uh, the wing cap, which to me was one of the f- few flaws of this game because to this day it's still very difficult to control. At least it is for me. Yeah. Um, you had the metal power-up where Mario turns into metal. So you can walk underwater and you're pretty much impervious to damage. And then uh, the third one, oh yeah, the vanish cap, where you can walk through like wire mesh. So you've still got some some power ups. I mean, it's it's a little little bit lacking in that department, but the gameplay of this is so so good. The puzzle solving is good. The boss fights are fun. You get to grab Bowser by the tail, spin him around, and throw him. <laughs> 
And I mean, how the, fun is that? The crazy thing about this game is, uh, you know, the graphics on this game were so good. And there were so many games that were kind of clones of this game, but didn't do near the job that Nintendo did with this game. And I still say the graphics on this game for being early polygonal graphics like that, they still rival what the Wii could do. You know, like uh, mm-hmm. like you said, Super Mario Galaxy, it, it looks like super mario 64 like those graphics were so good for the time they still hold up to this day oh absolutely something else i think that doesn't really get a lot of attention that i noticed today the camera work Mm -hmm. for for mario 64 because that's one of the big complaints about the sonic franchise when it transitioned to 3d is that the camera you you don't really have control over it Mm -hmm. but with mario 64 you can use the C buttons to rotate it where you can do like a side view of Mario or you can hold down one of the buttons and you always stay behind him. Yeah. So, and I think that's something that is still, it's still the best camera work in a 3d platformer that I've seen. Yeah. Cause that's something you, you know, you go back to these games with only the one analog stick, you know, now it's so intuitive to be able to move the character you know, move a character with the left analog stick while moving, doing camera movements or strafing and stuff like that with a right analog stick. You got to think back about how these guys actually fixed that problem of only mm-hmm. having the one analog stick. And, you know, that's still one of the problems of the Resident Evil 2 game that I played the other night is just... they. It, it's not very good with the camera angles, so it's it's not very intuitive. But they nailed it with Super Mario 64. Oh, for sure. You know, like I said earlier, this game has very few flaws. And I think something that they added to it in actually a good way, they actually did a uh, remake of this game for the DS when it came out, where you can actually play as Yoshi, Wario, and Luigi in addition to Mario. Hmm. So even, you know, going back through that, like to me, that was that was a good update that they did. I still prefer the original, but going through that with the DS kind of adding, you know, a whole new element to it, I thought was really cool. But no, this original game, it has very few flaws, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. And like I said earlier, this isn't just a great game, but it's a standard bearer and it shows that. At Nintendo's peak, when they're, you know, we'll bitch about Nintendo <laughs> for not putting out enough NES classics or not putting out enough Switches, and, you know, some of their marketing decisions aren't the greatest. But when they do games like this, this is why Nintendo does it better than anybody else. Oh, yeah. When they're but, firing on all cylinders, they're unstoppable. Because they create a fun game that has great replay value isn't too complicated and it's just fun it's just pure fun and this not only this is probably i would put this no lower than two on my mario list wow i I mean mario world is still really really good but they're they're pretty close to each other and it's one of my favorite games of all time because 
it just created so many great memories for me. I like I remember getting the Nintendo 64 and being so stoked <laughs> to play Mario 64 and putting Mario in a new world and a new environment with a new look and everything was just great. And like most Mario games, the music is great too. I mean, the song you played earlier from the Bomb Battlefield. Yeah. There's so many great songs from this game. And that's something, you know, that Nintendo's even great at too, is making great soundtracks. And well, I would know, put you, this one up there too. You also mentioned about how this game actually had puzzles in it, which was kind of a, a new concept for straight up platforming Mario games. And it says here that Super Mario 64 features more puzzles than earlier Mario games. It was developed simultaneously with The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. But as Ocarina of Time was released more than two years later, some puzzles were taken from that game for Super Mario 64. See, I didn't know that until until I read this. That's that is something. Yeah, that it does have more puzzles and kind of introduced many games a little bit mm-hmm. with with the Mario franchise because you know you have the the slide that you do the hidden slide. Uh, there's some other ones as well that kind of escaped me but this game is is just unbelievable it's absolutely unbelievable and i'm looking to see uh yeah here's the reviews mario 64 received widespread critical acclaim and is the best-selling nintendo 64 game by may 2003 11 million copies had been sold mario 64 had become the second most popular title on wii's virtual console by june 2007 only behind the original Mario Brothers. Hmm. That's crazy. And some of the reviews, All Game gave it five stars. Edge gave it a 10. Electronic Gaming Monthly, nine and a half out of 10. Game Informer, 9.75 out of 10. Why you wouldn't give it the extra 0.25, I have no idea. (laughs) Uh, And IGN gave it a 9.8 out of 10. Nothing but praise for this game. And lots of Game of the Year awards at the time. And also uh, uh, placed high on uh, the greatest games of all time list by many reviewers, including IGN, Game Informer, Edge, Yahoo Games, GameFAQ users, and Nintendo Power and Electronic Gaming Monthly. Yeah, Nintendo Magazine's 100 Greatest Nintendo Games of All Time, it placed sixth. Wow. (laughs) And you look at these screenshots, like I haven't played this game in a few years, but Man, look, just looking at the screenshots just makes me want to go back and play this again. And, you know, I've seen some uh, play of the game on YouTube, but like I said, I haven't played it in years, and I want to go back and play this game. This game is so good. It still holds up. It's The, the controls are still really good, and I, I recommend that you do it. It's really good. Absolutely. On a scale of 1 to 10, I would probably give this game around a 9, 9.5. Like, it's that good. Yeah. You know, it's it's not just a great game, but it, I can't stress it enough. This is a standard bearer. It is the standard bearer, in my opinion, for 3D platforming games. Every other platformer that has been made since then is compared to Mario 64. Well, I mean, it pretty much invented the genre for home consoles, you know, how to do a, a platformer right. Yeah. Like, no, you're, this is you're how absolutely you do right. It. 
Yeah, I mean, they just basically just planted a flag in the sand and said, this is how you do it right, right here. Pretty much, yeah. No, it, it's, and it makes me really excited to play Mario Odyssey that comes out for the Switch late this year because it's going back to the Mario 64 style where it's a more variety of mm-hmm. levels as opposed to like a, um, I, I forgot Mario Sunshine for the GameCube, but that had a very tropical setting because it took place on a like exotic island. Yeah. But then you have the Galaxy games, which take place in space. But Odyssey is going back to the 64 routes where you have a variety of stuff. So I, I can't wait to play it. Um, of course, I'm going to compare it to Mario 64. You can't <laughs> help but do that. Yeah, I was but actually... Anyone- Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I had to go to Walmart earlier today to get a few things, and I stood in the electronic section just drooling over the Nintendo Switches. And um, I was like, yep, I'm saving my money. I'm getting one by Christmas. Oh, you got to. And you got to get Zelda and Odyssey. Yep, because they had a little uh, preview of Super Mario Odyssey, and I'm like, yep, I want to play that. It looks so good. And I have little to no doubt that it's going to be good. Oh, I'm sure. I have no doubt whatsoever. As much, as angry as I get with Nintendo, they'll always come out with something really good that just makes me be like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right, I'll forgive you this time. <laughs> it's like being in an abusive relationship. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. But no, I, I can't recommend this game enough. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. This is probably... I would probably say this is the best game that was ever made for the Nintendo 64. As far as execution, I mean, I like Resident Evil 2 personally, and I also liked um, the Star Wars Shadows of the Empire. Um, I loved Turok at the time. It probably looks awful these days. But, um, but yeah, Super Mario 64 is, without a doubt, probably one of the best, most well-rounded games ever made for the uh, Nintendo, Nintendo 64. Sorry, I can't talk today. No, I, I agree with that. I'll say, as far as Nintendo 64 games, I would rank it number two. But my number one, I'll review at another time. Sounds and for those who who know my fandom, you know what it is. Oh yeah, I already know what it is. I think I may have <laughs> mentioned it earlier. <laughs> Something that I yeah. almost bought. Yeah. But uh, actually, you know what? Next, um, if we don't do, if we do do the show next week, whether it's next week or the week after, uh, we had a request on um, uh, Facebook. Uh, it's been a few weeks now, but somebody uh, requested Narc. And I think I'm going to do that for my review next time. Uh, And I said I was going to do nothing but uh, Super Nintendo games for July. But like I said, you know, we have to take some some shows off these these, you know, this couple of weeks here where things are kind of weird. So we're just going to kind of just push all that back um, and we'll just make it a summer thing where I want to do some uh, Super Nintendo games over the summer. I may even do some Nintendo 64 games as well. Nice. But uh, but yeah, the next. For it. It, but like I said, the next game I'm going to review is going to be Narc, which uh, is up there um, as one of the games, one of the very few games that I actually finished as a kid. Sweet. It holds that record on the maybe the the handful of games that I had actually finished as a kid when I was playing the Nintendo when it was new. 
That's awesome. No, I can't wait to hear about it because I, I know little to nothing about the game. So I'm excited to learn more about it. But I, I will say this. I I recommend it for the um, the nostalgia factor. Um, but I will say if you want to get the complete experience out of the game, you can get the emulator of the actual arcade version of NARC, which is much, much better. <laughs> uh, I love the Nintendo version, but... I'm just going to say right now, the graphics are kind of awful. Yeah, you get those. Some yeah, of those older it, games. It was a fun game to play. Like, the playability is fun. But, uh, but yeah, the, the those those arcade, to port, uh, arcade ports to the Nintendo, a lot of those didn't work out so well. Yeah, no, that's that's true. But uh, but actually, if there's anything else you uh, you want to talk about before we get out of here, we'll go ahead and start wrapping this thing up. No, uh, I just want to say uh, happy birthday again to you, thank sir. You. Thank you, thank you. I am I'm, I'm officially an old man now. Uh, it's all good. It's all You're, you kids. Is... Uh, I'm gonna get out the hose, get off my lawn. <laughs> as long as you don't pull a Clint Eastwood. No, I will happy. not. I'll never be like that. I like to be happy, <laughs> go lucky, play my video games, and sit here once a week with all you fine people. No, absolutely. Glad you had a, a good birthday weekend. Had you glad you got all the the good retro findings and finding the ET album and everything. And it was a fantastic, lucky weekend, is what it was. And uh, look forward to uh, working with you on Sunday. Absolutely. But uh, if you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. You can find us at nerdcaveretro.com. We're going to be on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro. And you can follow us individually on Twitter at jfontastic at Derek underscore diamond. We're at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. And Derek... I will see you in person next week. I can't wait to do uh, be on set and make a movie, and it's going to be awesome. No, absolutely. It's going to be a ton of fun. So tell them what it's all about right here at the Nerd Cave Retro. It's a me, Mario. Get off my lawn! You've been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.